So our series is called Every Day, and if you are going to put something on social media, the hashtag you want to use is hashtag every day, and that slide's coming up right now. There it is, hashtag every day. And then sermon notes are info at bridgechurch.cc if you like any of these sermon notes, and I hope you will get them, and I hope you will dig deeper uh, because, uh, you know, I can't go um, on and on and on with a particular topic, so I hope you'll get the notes and you'll do your own study. Um, uh, let me just do a really quick review. We're talking about the cumulative effect of little things we do every day. They seem like little uh, things. They seem like they're insignificant. They seem like they're not really making a difference. Now, um, we drift toward bad habits. We don't drift toward good habits. And the people said, Amen. You don't, you don't wake up one morning and go, wow, I've developed two new habits, two new good habits. I did. You, have to, you have to be intentional about good habits. You have to be intentional about thinking right. You have to be intentional about your spiritual life. You have to be intentional about making good decisions in your finances and in your career and in your marriage and in your parenting. You have to be really intentional about that because the drift is that we wouldn't be intentional about that, that we would live with a case, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be uh, uh, motto for our life. And God doesn't want that. He wants you to be intentional. And what this sermon series is about is you being intentional about what you do every day, every single day, little things. It seems like little things, but it's really not little things. And we told you, uh, you know, we talked about regret and, and what happens when you are not intentional about your everyday life. So when you get to the end of your life, um, you'll regret, you'll look back and go, oh, I wish I'd developed that discipline in my life. I wish I'd done that every day. And Man, I wish I hadn't just lived my life and, and took whatever comes and just to avoid the tough places. And man, I wish I'd been more intentional about my life. We don't want you regretting things at the end of your life. But the biggest regret you would have would be that you didn't come to Christ. That you didn't surrender your life to Christ. That will be the biggest regret every one of you have in this building who, who don't make that decision to follow Jesus. And I'm not talking about you following me or following the bridge. This might be the last time you ever come to this church. You might go to church somewhere else. That's fine. It doesn't matter about that. What matters is you choose Jesus. Because can I tell you, Jesus has already chosen you. He has already picked you. He already, he said he is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to salvation. So if you're not, if you're not confident about where you are with him. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even know if I believe all that yet. I understand that. But I just want to say to you that the word of God says, Paul told the Corinthian church in his second letter to them, it's in chapter 6 and verse 2, he said, now is the accepted time. You want to, you want to try to figure out, well, when do I, when do I make that decision? When, when do I decide, pastor, to turn my back on myself and turn my back on Satan's desires for me and when do I turn my back on sin? When do I make that decision? The word of God says now. Now is the time. He says to the Corinthians in that scripture I just mentioned today is the day. So we hope you'll make that decision today and after this service is over we're going to have people up here at the front ready to pray for you. 
but they'll be ready to pray for you, not just if you want to come to Christ, but they'll be ready to pray for you for your family. They'll be ready to pray for you if you're looking for a job, your finances, whatever situation in life you're in, they'll be up here ready to pray for you. So after this service, you know, don't run right out the door. Because you know what? If you run right out the door, you're going to get in line. Amen? Isn't that true? You're going to get in line. And so come on, let us pray for you at the end of the service today. Well, here's what we've talked about so far. We've talked about being an ambassador of Christ. How often? Every day. I mean, if you wake up in the morning and you go, you know what, above all things, I'm a representative of God because I'm a Christian. I've accepted Jesus into my heart. Jesus has accepted me. He's adopted me into his family. I've been born again, John chapter 3. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. We can use all those Bible words. I am a child of God. I've been adopted, the book of Romans. So I'm a Christian. So since I'm a Christian, since I'm a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, then every day I represent him how often? Every day, every day. If y'all will say that louder, I will preach shorter. That's cold right there, I'm telling you. That's, that's hurtful. Every minute. Yeah, that's even better. She just played the every minute card. So that's my next sermon series, every minute. Every day, every day. We've got to be an ambassador of Christ. How often? Come on. Every day. You get up in the morning. I represent God. People are looking at me. They know I'm a Christian. I got that big Bible on my desk at work that looks like a Sears and Roebuck catalog. They know. And all the young people are going, Sears and Roebuck catalog, what's that? <laughs> I got my Bible. You know, they know I'm a Christian. They know I go to the bridge. They know I've committed my life to Christ. They know that because of things I will do and won't do that I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And so they are, they, I represent God to them. I'm not God by any stretch, but I'm the only Jesus. How many of y'all remember that old song? I'm the only Jesus some people ever see. I'm an ambassador. I'm his rep. I'm his representative every day. And then we talked for two Sundays in a row because y'all got bad attitudes at two, two sermons. So two Sundays in a row, we've talked about attitude and how important it is that you get up every morning and by the help of God, because it is, it is something you cannot do on your own through sheer willpower, you've got to get your good attitude from God. And so we read from the book of Ephesians, he said, allow you Christians, allow the Holy Spirit to renew your thoughts. Remember that verse on the screen? Allow the Holy Spirit, not Pastor Farrell or listening to good music, and good music's fine, and, and listening to messages online, that's all fine, and, and all that's good. But he says, hey, you really want to have a good attitude every day, no matter what kind of junk's going on around you in your life, you want to have a good attitude every day, then you got to depend on the the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to have a good attitude. How many of you, if be honest now, because if you don't raise your hand on this one, you'll be lying. You need God to help you have a good attitude some days. I need some God up in here or I'm going to kill somebody. So if you didn't hear those messages, guys, go back and get those Order the sermon notes, get the sermon notes, you'll have the notes I'm preaching from, and you sit right there and just let that, because it's not feral, I'm not the best preacher in the world, it's the Word of God. It is letting the Word of God get in you, 
The Bible's like no other book. It's alive. It's an, it's an organism. It's not ink on paper. It is the life-giving, life-changing, supernatural Word of God. So you go, i got to be an ambassador. i got to be a better ambassador. i got to have a better attitude. If I'm going to be a better ambassador, if I'm going to have a better attitude, it'll be because I stopped leaning on myself and I said, God, come help me. You know, everything God requires you to do, he turns right around and goes, and I'll help you if you'll let me. You know, the Ten Commandments, as a matter of fact, this summer, we're going to do a series on the Ten Commandments. That's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to cover each commandment and what each commandment means. But in those commandments, there's thou shalts and thou shalt nots. Well, i got to tell you something. Apart from the supernatural power of God helping me, I can't do the thou shalts. Amen? If I'm going to obey God, I can't obey God in my own strength. My my my. my sinful nature doesn't want to obey God. I want to satisfy me. I want to make this body happy. I want to make this flesh happy. I don't want to make God happy. That's not my nature. But I know he loves me and I know the gospel story and I know his life in me is the best life for me. So I come to him and I say, God, I need your help to do the thou shouts and I need your help to stay away from the thou shalt nots. I can't obey you unless you help me obey you. Amen? So, so there's the word today, and, and, and it's the word for this message. And today we're talking about a new topic, core values. Core values, things you've settled. Things you've settled. You have, dis, you have settled some basic beliefs, some foundational beliefs, some core values about yourself, and you will not compromise on those things. Let's look at what core values are. What are core values? Core values, and we'll talk, about, we'll talk about the wrong kind of core values first. Um, we'll talk about um, carnal or fleshly core values. Let's talk about the core values of the world. Um, back when I was a little boy, I heard this word all the time in church, and we still need to hear it, worldly. Worldly values. What are the values of the world? Well, the values of the world are things like wealth and power. The world values things like pleasure and entertainment. And the world values emotions like revenge and fame and vanity and status. That's what the world values are. These values, these morals are the most important things to people who perceive no power beyond themselves who perceive no power or they perceive no uh, purpose beyond themselves. Worldly values, you guys know this. If you follow worldly values, it promotes jealousy. It promotes arguments. It promotes, it, it promotes strife. Can I, can I say something to you? And I don't even know why I'm saying this, and I didn't say it in the early service, but I just sensed the Holy Spirit check me right there. Can I say something to you? If you tell me you're a Christian and you're constantly in strife and conflict, something's wrong in your spiritual life because, my God, I serve the Prince of Peace. Come on. 
I don't know who that was for, and I don't usually say this, but I got a feeling that was really for somebody here. You're spouting off all the time that you're a Christian, but you are full of anger, and you are full of unforgiveness and strife. I'm saying to you today that the core values of the world promote that. Now, there are things to get angry about. There's a righteous indignation. How many of y'all know Jesus got ticked off? That's Greek word for mad. How many of y'all know Jesus got, you remember he turned the money changers, turned the, um, their tables over, and, and Jesus showed anger. Anger's not always a bad thing, but if your life is just strife, and it's just always, and you're just in constant conflict, man, God don't want that for you. God don't want that for you. God wants you to know some peace in your life. And you say, well, but there's a lot of stuff going on that I don't like and I don't agree. I understand that, but man, you gotta, you got to let the Holy Spirit help you compartmentalize that and get, the, get away from that. And you got to have some peace up in your life. Amen? Amen. I mean, I, mean, I run into Christians. People talk about uh, unbelievers uh, carrying around a lot of anger. I, I run into a lot of believers who are carrying, carrying around a lot of anger. Something's up with that, man. Something's, something's not in balance there. Does that make sense? I know it's good because God told me to tell you all that. So, Resentment. And, uh, and there are scriptures that are in my notes that I'm not going to read to you, but if you order the notes, and it's only $10 a copy. No, there's, they're, free. they're free. So I've got scriptures in here that you'll get and you'll be able to look up. Uh, so, so that's worldly values. That's what world, some worldly values, some carnal values, and then what carnal values produce. So let's talk a, real quick about the values of the Word of God. Because really the best place to find what God values is in the Bible, in the Word of God. And um, most of the time, I wouldn't say every single time, but most of the time, the Values taught in the Bible are opposite of worldly values. For instance, kindness would be a what? A God value, a Bible value. Versus uh, kindness and respect for all versus power, having power over people. Here, here's, another, um, here's another contrast. Humility would be a godly value. By the way, you do know that humility is not looking down on yourself, right? You do know that. I mean, um, here's how I know God doesn't want me to look down on myself. God told me to love you as I love myself. So God wants me to love me, but he wants me to love me as his creation. Y'all with me? And so if I love me the way I'm supposed to love me, that God made me and, and I'm his creation, because God don't make no junk, write that down. That's uh, Farrell Hardison 4.8. God don't make no junk, so you love yourself. So when God wants you to love other people and he assumes your love and the way you perceive yourself is healthy, then he says to love your neighbor the way you would love yourself. So the contrast would be humility instead of status status and power, honesty and generosity instead of 
wealth, nothing wrong with wealth, but if you are a wealthy person who is not honest or you are a wealthy person who is not generous, then you are going to be an unhappy, wealthy person. How many of you know God says, I can bless you both ways. I can bless you materially, and if you will look at it from the right perspective, I can give you joy as well as that blessing in your life. Amen? Y'all with me? And then another um, godly value would be self-control. Well, what would that be in contradistinction with? And that would be self-indulgence. Um, here's another one. Forgiveness instead of revenge. Christian values, godly values, promote peace and goodwill in your life and among people in accordance with the purposes of God and the purposes of God are most clearly spelled out in the Word of God. So if you're not in the Word of God, you're going to be really ignorant about what God values. Let's look at some of the benefits of um, core values. I tell you, at the end of the sermon today, and I didn't put it on a slide because I kind of added it to the sermon right at the end of my preparation time, I'm going to give you an online tool so I want you to get your pen and paper ready at the end of the sermon, which is probably like an hour and a half from now. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So get ready to write that down because I want you, what, what this does, it gives you a worksheet to go through as you work out your own personal core values. It gives you just a worksheet, giving you all some homework. Because see, it's one thing to preach on a Sunday morning and for you to just walk out like James says in the book of James and forget what you heard and forget what you saw. He said you can treat the Word of God like a mirror. You look into it, you see the reflection of the real you, but then you walk away and forget what you saw. And I think a lot of times on Sunday in churches across the world, people hear the sermon, they agree with the sermon, they, but they walk out and they're done with it. So what I want you to do is take this little simple message today and I want you to go home. And there are probably some other uh, websites, good Christian websites, that would help you walk through the process of developing your own personal core values. But I'm going to give you one at the end of the sermon today. And I want to just challenge you to do the work, put in the work of figuring out who you are, who you are in Jesus what your core values are, stuff that you draw the line and you go, I don't, I don't compromise that. I don't compromise on that. I don't go there. I don't do that. I don't say that. I don't act that way. I don't have that attitude. I'm just going to draw a line for myself. So here's some of the benefits if you put in the work. If you'll do the work of developing your own personal core values, it will help you determine your unique calling in the ministry. I mean, when you find out what you value, it's going to clarify what God's called you to do. No two Christians are alike. Some uh, are called to focus on preaching and being a pastor, where another guy might be or another gal might be called to focus on teaching, evangelism, some on counseling with other people. There are just all kinds of ministries, children, music, worship, creative arts, whatever. Different Christians um, reach different people. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, 
Pastor Farrell's the one we get people there. He preaches the word and they get saved because they heard the word of God. Listen, a lot of people come to Jesus through the ministries of the bridge and through the uh, life groups and small groups of the, that never have even met me or heard a single one of my sermons. Different people reach different people. So when you determine what your core values are, it's going to give you a lot of clarity about what your unique ministry calling is. Some of these things I'm going to give you kind of overlap a little bit. Core values determine your place of service in the local church. Now, if you don't go to the bridge, then, um, then you know, wherever you go, serve in that church. And if you do go to the bridge and you're not serving, if you've got breath, Here's how we determine whether you can serve or not. Can you fog a mirror? If you can fog up a mirror, there's a work, there's a ministry, there's something you can do. And you know what? I feel sorry for people who go, you know, I just think my time of ministry is over. I wonder if you really believe that if God would go, okay, well, I think I'll just bring you home then. Amen? You have purpose. You have purpose. There's ministry for you to do. And to discover your ministry sweet spot, you just begin serving. You give your heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. You say, well, I'm not called to change diapers. I've never met anybody who is. I've never met anybody who's changing a barn burner diaper. Y'all know what I'm saying. And they go, I'm in where Jesus wants me. I'm right. No. But how many of y'all know that needs to be done? You mamas and daddies who are sitting in here who just dropped your kids off at the nursery, you go, amen, thank you, God, for nursery people. And, and I don't know anybody that that's their sweet spot. I guess it is. I guess it is. I see people in there, and they always act happy. You know, if I pick up on one of those barn burners, I'm like, hey, God bless y'all, and I'm out of there. But when God sees you willing to serve in the place of greatest demand, he picks up on your willingness, he picks up on your heart, and he goes, you know what, since you're willing to serve there, your sweet spot is really over here, but because you were willing to serve here before you knew where I was going to put you, that tells me what kind of person you are, and God will put you. There's a scripture that says, if you are faithful in the small things, and God sees that, he will put you in that sweet spot. He says, he that is faithful in that which is least shall be faithful over much. Okay, does that make sense? So when you're doing your core values and you're doing that work and you're going through that work, it's going to reveal to you what your ministry is here at the bridge or wherever you go to church. Core values reveal what's really important to you. What really you, your, your again, values are. Values reveal your bottom line, the bottom line. If somebody went, hey, man, what's your bottom line? What would your answer be? Do you know that? It reveals your bottom line and, and makes it clear whether or not your deepest desire is God's heart for your life. I don't, I don't know if you're numbering these. It's number four on my paper. Core values keep you focused on righteousness. When you've decided what you're going to do and not do, where you're going to go and not go, what you're going to say and not say, when you've made those determinations in your life, when you've decided that, it keeps you focused on what's right. It keeps you focused on what's righteous, what's holy, what's pure, what pleases God. How many of you would agree that changes in American culture are having an impact on Christians? How many of y'all would agree to my sad realization 
that a lot of the junk that's out there that impacts you so powerfully out there is creeping in the church. And you know how it creeps in the church and you know how we let it creep in the church and don't really end up doing anything about it because we don't know what our core values are as a church. So if you don't know what your core values are as a church, then that junk out there that's messing up people's lives, it gets in here. And then a lot of churches don't have the courage. Can I preach on churches? A lot of churches don't have the courage to get up and go, we don't do that here. We don't go there. We got some core values in this house. Amen? And we don't go there. So you have to do the work and you have to ask yourself, is this cultural change I see in the world, is it in harmony with my Christian core values? And if it's not, get rid of it. And if it is okay, then embrace it. and Let God use it. Core values affect your overall lifestyle. Your values form your entire life, the direction of your life, the, the um, way you make decisions. When you've got your core values settled, then when you have a decision to make, you're not all over the board because you know what you believe at the center of you. Does that make sense? Core values cause you to act and not just sit on the bleachers. Core values motivate your core beliefs stimulate you and motivate you to engage and get involved and make a difference. Your core values give meaning to ministry. They impact you at a deep level that brings a sense of cause and significance to your life. Core values shape your character. Your character, your integrity determines how you live your daily life and your core values set that in place. Core values are a major factor in determining your uh, the success of your ministry. So you engage in ministry, whether you're successful in ministry or successful in life, has to do with what's at the core of you. You say, Pastor, I'm not real sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Well, let me clarify it for you. How many of y'all know we just had an election? Were y'all aware that... How many of y'all are glad it's happened? You might not be glad with who got it, but are you glad there are no more ads or... I mean, when you, when you listen to those ads, I'm, I'm sitting in my chair going, man, they need to put him in jail. How does she walk in the street? I mean, they're a bunch of crazy. <laughs> so I'm glad that's over with. But here was one thing I did notice during that whole process. I noticed that they would stand and they would look so holy. And they would say, these are my core values. And I'd go, oh, I like that. And then they play a video where six months earlier they said something opposite was their core value. Y'all with me? So then you're out there as an American wondering, what is their core value? What do they believe about this issue and that issue? That's what I'm talking about. A core value is something that as a child of God, as a man of God or a woman of God, you have gotten with God and his word and you have worked out this is where I stand. This is what I will tolerate in my life based on God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit in me and this is what I won't tolerate. These are my core values and if it costs me, then it costs me but I'm going to live by the core values God put in my heart. How many of y'all know we need a revival of that in the church world today? Amen. We need a revival of that. So, so let me just give an illustration to really clarify it, and then I'm going to say in closing, it won't mean anything, but I'll say it, and you will have what? Hope, yes. So if I was looking for a church, if I was, uh, let's say I was uh, in the Air Force, 
And uh, I was moving to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base with my family. Got a wife, two cute little kids. And uh, I can fly one of those planes. Let's just say that. Can y'all work with me on this little illustration? That I'm a, what, what's those planes? F-15s? Is that the, that I can, I can fly one of them like a, like a boss. And uh, I'm trying to figure out where I want my, ch- my kids in church, where I want to go to church, where I want to take my wife, where I want to go, uh, where my wife will go, oh, I love that. And I mean, I want to go there. So, so I go on. Where do we go to find churches these days? Online. So we go online and we put Goldsboro, Wayne County, whatever churches. And so we're looking for a church. Let me tell you what to look for. And you might be here today and you're looking and you don't know if this is it. You don't know if the bridge is it. I don't know how in the world you could say that, but anyway, you know, because we who are at the bridge, we really like it, don't we? Amen. But I would want to know what the core values of the bridge are. I wouldn't really care what their environment looked like, although your environment does say a lot about who you are. I wouldn't really care whether the pastor wears a tie or wears his shirt tail out. What I would care most about is what does this church believe? What do they preach? What do they believe? What are their core values? So in case you haven't seen them, our core values are right there on our website. And I want to go over them very quickly with you. Core value number one of the bridge, bold faith. Bold faith. What does that mean? Our website says, and it's more than just words, we value bold faith and believe that following God involves intentional acts of courage and that selflessly giving of oneself is necessary to advance his kingdom in the world. And I could preach on that and go into depth about what that means, but what it simply means is we don't want to keep our faith a secret. We want to we be bold with our faith, and we preach here many, many times. You don't start off going, you need Jesus. We start off being Jesus. And then when we are Jesus to them, they will say, what meaneth this? And then after they say, what meaneth this? And I'm referring to Acts 2 and the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's what they said when the Holy Spirit came, what meaneth this? And then after a while, they said, what must I do? I want that. So when you love on people and you are Jesus to people, they'll go, why? And then you get to say, because of Jesus. And you tell them what it means, and you get to talk to them about Jesus. So be, be bold, be bold, and support people like this beautiful couple that's about to go to Indonesia and support them because they are really being bold. Amen? They're, you might get a sneer, or you might get some mockery, but, man, you ain't got no Muslim up in your face, you know, about to take you out. That was Karate Kid right there. Okay? So we pray for them, and we support them. And the people said, another thing, we believe in loving God. What, who wants to be a part of a church that loves God? I think that's pretty important. But here's what we mean by that. We mean that you ought to be a worshiper. We value loving God and believe that consistently engaging in a variety of personal, private, and corporate worship experiences is the ultimate experience of love or expression of love for every believer and church. So we want you to become a worshiper. Don't, don't look while other people worship. 
You worship. You go, man, I come in here, I see people lifting their hands, Pastor. I see, I see you up there on the front row, Pastor. You look like a cheerleader, you know, sis boomba, and you're worshiping. And I got to tell you, Pastor, I'm just not comfortable doing that. You know, you know where I got comfortable doing that before I got comfortable in here? I got comfortable in my private time worshiping God. And then when I got here, it just flowed out of my private time with God. Now, if you're not worshiping God privately, I'm sure it's a pretty odd feeling when you come corporately to worship God. I'm preaching. Y'all listening? So get by yourself. Pull the shades. Pull the drapes. I'm, I'm about to worship. <laughs> Put in the praise music. You got to have any. That's why we have a bookstore. That's why at the end of every song on the screen, we tell you who does that song and who, what the title of the song is. So you can get it and plug it in at home and get in there by yourself and plug it in and just start going. And after a while, you'll be all up in there worshiping and praying. And then you'll get here and we'll go, oh, they didn't take their medicine today. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, you've got to worship privately. And when you worship privately, it'll get all up in your corporate worship, public worship. You say, well, some people make me nervous. Close your eyes. Quit worrying about somebody else. You say, but some people act kind of crazy. You don't know what God's done for them. I mean, if God, I mean, if you had cancer and this guy walked up to your door and knocked on the door and said, hey, if you'll drink that, the cancer will go away, and you, and you saw him somewhere publicly, you wouldn't be like, hey, what's up? You'd be like, oh, come here, give me some love, baby. Amen? And Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and saved your hell-bound soul, and you come in here, and we have worship, and you go... Man, make, make a tape of the a tape where I'm living. Make an eight track of this. I want, to, I want to hear this again. Let me go through the rest of them real quick. Biblical authority. We believe in the Bible. That's a core value of the bridge. Come on. Biblical authority. Look, you don't care half as much about what I say as you do about whether what I say is based on the infallible, inerrant word of the living God. If I stop preaching the word, fire me. You can say amen to that. Go ahead. I'm to fire me if I quit preaching the word. Biblical authority. The next one's cultural relevance. We don't see culture as an enemy necessarily. We see culture as something that that we can use instead of letting it use us we can use it to reach people for christ here's way here's the way we say that we value cultural relevance and believe that christ followers must clearly communicate the never-changing truth of god to an ever-changing world in order to speak to spiritually lost people reach spiritually lost people with the message of jesus christ in other words when you come to the bridge you're going to laugh we're going to have videos we're going to have skits we're going to do funny stuff we're going to talk about the culture. As a matter of fact, the next sermon series is called Culture Wars. And we're going to talk about how to live holy in a culturally unholy environment. Anybody interested in that? The next thing we believe in is authentic relationships. You can read about it on the website. 
And then, of course, the next thing is life change. We believe in life change. I'm not going to read all that, that to you. Now, in closing, in closing, you can say amen. Amen. We're going to look at Psalm 15. The question is in verse 1. The answers are in verses 2 through 5a. That means the first part of verse 5. And the result or the promise really would, would have been better. The promise is in the last part of verse 5. Let's read it really quick. Y'all with me? So here's the question. Oh, Lord, who may abide in your tent? So this guy's asking God a question. This is a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm. David wrote most of the psalms, but he didn't write them all. But he did write this one. Oh, Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Now, if you're out there and you're not used to the Bible and this whole, you're looking at that going, what in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. Lord, who gets to be close to you? I mean, God, I'm really, really interested in getting really, really close to you. Who gets to do that? Who gets to be near you? I mean, God, who do you welcome into your presence? Who do you welcome? I mean, God, who can really be intimate with you? Who can enjoy living in your guidance and living in your light and living in your wisdom. I mean, God, I really want to be near you. Who gets to be near you? Here it comes, core values that get you near God. Y'all ready? Here they come, verse 2. He who walks with integrity. He who not only talks spiritual, but he rolls up his sleeves and does what? Works of righteousness. The people who get to be in my tent, the people who get to be in my holy hill, the people who get to be with me are people who speak what? Truth in their heart. Here's some things they don't do. They don't slander with their tongue. They don't do evil to their neighbors. They don't take up a reproach. In other words, they don't discredit their friends. And there's a lot of study to do there, and there's a lot of teaching I could do here, but we don't have time. Just get this idea of when you set your core values and they're biblically lined up and they're Holy Spirit lined up, you get to be in the tent, baby. You get to be in the place where God is. You know, he says, people who have this attitude... People in whose eyes a reprobate is despised. Now, I know you're out there going, what in the world is that? It simply means that you don't despise unbelievers. You don't despise a word we're often told not to use in church anymore because it's not seeker-friendly, but I'm going to use it. You don't despise sinners. How many of y'all were sinners one time? But you got saved. You still mess up, but you're saved. Amen. But you despise the hurtful effects of those who don't serve God. That's what that means. You despise the, the impact on our culture that comes from people who just keep pushing God back and saying no to God. You love them, but you despise the environment they create in our world. Study on that. That's good stuff. He says, if you want to be in my tent, if you want to be where I am, if you want to be close to me, he says, then you will show honor to those who do fear the Lord. In other words, support your fellow, your fellow Christians. Love them and support them. Don't, don't 
don't war against them. He's almost saying there, you've got enough war going on against you Christians. Quit fighting among yourselves. Amen and love one another. By the way, y'all hadn't even seen a good fight till you had to see one in a church. They can really do it well there. Not here. We don't, we don't fight. Amen. <laughs> How many of you know, you know you can disagree and not fight? Amen. Um, I love this one. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. What does that mean? That means he keeps his promises no matter what it costs. People who keep their promises no matter what it costs. God says, I can get with that guy. That guy can come in my tent. And then verse 5, he doesn't put out his money at interest. That means he doesn't charge interest when assisting the poor. It means he's generous. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. In other words, he can't be bribed to lie. And, and, there's a, and, and it, you can make it even more relevant if you'll take this chapter and study it in depth. But then I love the promise. He who has these core values, he who does these things will... will never be shaken. That's the value of core values. When you've done the work, and I'm about to give you that website, I'm about to give you that worksheet, and when you've gone through that worksheet and you've developed your core values and you look at them every day and you live by them every day, God says when everything around you is being shaken, you will never be shaken because I gave you those core values. They're deep in you and you're living by them. So while the world is being shaken, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that one day everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But if you've got those core values settled, you will not be shaken. Amen. So here's the website, familylife.com. Familylife.com. And when you go on that website, go up in the little search window and put this title, put Determining Your Core Values. And that'll come up. That worksheet will come up. And what I did is I clicked on that worksheet I copied it, I pasted it into a Word document, and now I can go in that Word document and go through those questions and do the work of developing my stated ink on paper on the tablets of my heart, the core values of my life. And if I'll do it, I will not be shaken. Amen? So important. God, let this Word be in us today. Let it be in us and let our life be changed by your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We'll have